welcome to the Move Daily Health Podcast, where we share information to empower you to be your own health hero. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Move Daily Health Podcast. I'm Dane Wallace with Freya Spence, and we have two very special guests here today in studio for the first time together. We have Sylvie Tetro and Adrian Vlaka. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. That was quite the exciting intro. Thank you, Dane. Yes, I am a hype man. <laughs> That's why we put you on first. Um, so, you guys have never been on a podcast together, which is something we've just discovered. But you run podcasts together all the time. We were lucky enough to be on one last week with you guys. We want to know a little more about what established championship lifestyle before we go into kind of your stories and so on. So what was it that brought that about? Tell us a little bit about the name as well, because that always, you know, brings up a bunch of different thoughts with people. Go ahead. So championship lifestyle would be, I mean, I suppose both of our brainchild, but maybe more mine initially, and then still put more things into action, which is usually kind of how it goes. Uh, very good at pushing the ball <laughs> to the edge of the hill. Uh <laughs> No, I was sick. I had, uh, yeah, I was sick. I had just been diagnosed with Graves' disease. I don't even know to call it that. It was like disease, diagnosed. Anyway, I have a family history. My father has it. My brother has it. I found it. I had it. I couldn't train at all or fight. And I was having trouble even like working with some clients depending on what the, what the task was. And so I was sitting at home with a bunch of time on my hands and then I had also been shit talking several sorry is there no swearing on this podcast there is moderate okay. swearing <laughs> we are a PG program but yeah shit is very cool okay our first podcast was about poop so I think it's, okay it's fair. All good. Yes. so so I had been shit talking uh several different podcasts that we've been listening to saying how I'm sure we could do it better which is I mean I guess a good and a bad thing and so when I had all this time on my hands, we kind of decided that it would be good to put our money where my mouth was, uh, mostly. And so I went out, ordered a bunch of stuff, got it sent to the house. It was terrible. Had to send everything back to Amazon, ordered everything again. And then we got rolling and we had, we have some amazing friends, uh, in our social circle. So it was really easy to hammer out like, I don't know, eight, 10 episodes, which I'm sure you guys are experiencing now. You have so many people in your like network that it was really easy. So yeah, we kind of just started and then that was it. And then in terms of championship lifestyle, I don't even know how it came about, but I do remember Googling it and being so shocked that no one had it already. Like I thought that like, I'm like, how do you, how does no one have this name already? I'm a marketing genius. This will for sure be a success just because I picked a good name. And so that was kind of how it went. Right. Do you have anything to add? Did I miss anything? No, I think that I think that's the story. I yeah, I was just I pumped. Think that's the story. <laughs> I think that's the story. No, <laughs> I was just pumped. Uh, yeah, to you know start something that you know we had been talking about for so long, and our network and community was just too good not to share with more people. And I'm sure you guys feel feel uh, similar. I would say probably more than anything, you were pumped that I. Uh, that I got off the couch and did something because I was just sitting around just wallowing in self-pity, like up to my eyes. It was just flooding in. So that was, that was good. If nothing else. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and you, you nailed it. We, uh, <laughs> we're just like, you know what, this is a, a really good thing that we can do to reach a larger audience. And we just jumped into it. You know, we ordered stuff. We were like, hey, I had a mic already, so we're like, let's do this. I don't know if any of the listeners can tell, but this is actually our first time with newer mics. So we were just kind of speaking around one mic before when we had our previous two podcasts. So today we actually have two separate mics for each side of our table studio here so we're hoping that the quality sounds a little bit better today i'm sure you guys have been through uh some of that stuff before too so we're on the up and up here at the move daily health podcast as well so um but yeah it's finding that name is is key and i think championship lifestyle really just you know it jumps off the page so i think that's an awesome uh awesome way to kind of define yourselves because people like winners <laughs> absolutely well and with that too um you guys always ask like what defines um being a champion so I want to hear from you guys. I'm going to flip the tables. What does it mean to you when you think of championship lifestyle and what's that key thing? Go ahead, Sylvie. Yeah, so for, for me, it's been about resiliency. So I, um, I feel like my strongest moments have come out of my weakest moments. So when it comes to being a champion in your everyday life, uh, and building that championship lifestyle, it, it was about bouncing back and being consistent. So the two things that stuck out for me were consistency and resiliency. And I talk about it all the time with my clients. If you can, you know, sort of master those two things, bouncing back when you have, you know, struggles um, and building that resi- resiliency and then also just being so consistent with it. So I've had some hard times. We all have hard times where, you know, sometimes you think that you might not come out of it. Uh, but you know, just again, getting into that routine of, of bouncing back and, and being like to do, tomorrow's in a, a new day and I'm going to focus on being a champion tomorrow. So obviously the fitness and the nutrition and the recovery process and all of that is part of it. Um, but it, it really stems off the mindset piece, which, which we focus on a lot. That was really good. Well done. Good definition. <laughs> I don't know what to add to that. I would say that, so there's we have this idea at home and so it's it's EFA and those are the three things that you can control effort attitude and focus so the background on my phone says has those three letters on it and that's something that it maybe you actually had uh, your friend Alex that was on yep. so that's essentially like a stoic philosophy uh, but there's only three things that we can control. It's our effort, our attitude, and our focus. And so that's kind of what being a champion is to me. And so I don't know if it's like one specific uh, action, but it's having those three things more often than you don't. Awesome. And um, on that note, what's interesting to me is that this was born out of a time when you were trying to figure yourself out like that's the best part about what you guys are just saying right now is that this was born out of time that you were wallowing in maybe less champion-esque type behavior um, in an effort to figure your health out so going into each of your backgrounds we'll just start with you because we're on that topic can you give us a little background in terms of like what got you started in this industry education athletics and then you know, what some peak moments are, because it sounds like even that moment and figuring out the diagnosis and then figuring out how to move on from there and travel through it were some pretty defining moments. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> as I pet this handlebar mustache, uh, I wanted to be a cop, or at least I shouldn't say that. I thought I wanted to be a police officer. That's what I thought I wanted to do. So when I went to apply to university, I applied to a criminal justice corrections program. And I thought that's what I wanted to do. And I went to school in the States at the time. And I 
I'm trying to think. I had just started fighting and, and I was going to school. And after about a year at school, I realized that I did not want to be a police officer. Everyone that I, and maybe this is, it might be different because there's, there's certainly differences between Canadian and American societies, despite being so closely linked. But I realized that everyone in my, in my class wanted to be a cop since they were two years old. Like their Halloween costume every year had been a police officer in some capacity. (laughs) And I just thought it would be something cool to do. And so that's when I realized this probably isn't for me. And so I can remember telling my dad that I wanted to switch programs and I think he called me to work with him that day. So we were painting, literally painting walls like this, like drywall. And so I told him, he's like, yeah, about time. I was waiting for you to have this conversation. And I was like, oh, that's really refreshing. I'm glad to hear. And then I wasn't really exactly sure what I wanted to do, but I'd started working at a gym and I'd started fighting. So I was interested in how I could get better at what I was doing. And then that kind of led me into strength and conditioning, human kinetics, kinesiology, and then when I went away for an internship in Ottawa and got an opportunity to work with some really good athletes, like guys that play in the NHL and guys that play at a really high level and got an opportunity to train at a, at a facility that was uh, not to knock on Sault Ste. Marie by any means, but, but it's a small town. And so as a result, you're only exposed to certain ideas. And so that was eye opening. And so that's kind of how I ended up in the, in the career that I am now in for for lack of a better term, I suppose, because I don't even know what I do anymore. Like, I'm not quite sure. Like, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that go on. Like, we definitely do some strength and conditioning. We have uh, some other aspects that are more holistically focused, I suppose. And, uh, and yeah, and then, and then fighting. And so this, like, this next iteration of my career journey, let's call it, so championship lifestyle and what that is, I would say combines together more of lessons learned from those kind of things and from, and from fighting than anything else. Nice. That's awesome. So, you know, small town boys who St. Marie, you know, can't beat my thousand people of Watford, Ontario, but you know, it's all good. The gym we had there was, oh yeah, (laughs) coming up, Sylvie Tetro, but our gym was literally bales of hay. You know, you just, you bale hay. That's all you can do. Or, you know, maybe go down and vandalize something, but that's really all you could do in a small town. But at least, but you, like there, at least there was some like hard work ethic that goes into that. Like we just had the horribly, I shouldn't say that there was one gym that I worked at and it was great, but with the exception of that spot, we just had the horribly douchey, like good life-esque setting. And that was it. Like that was it. There was a little CrossFit, a little bit of sports specific training, whatever that means. And then just bicep curls and fake Louis Vuitton items. It sounds awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll, you should invite me next time we go to Sault Ste. Marie. Oh, you fit right in. It's no problem. Just wear a plunging V. Captain Deep V. <laughs> um, yeah, so I uh, I was an athlete my whole life, um, an okay one. I was like, you know, never, I, I like performed and was passionate about everything that I did. I started off as a figure skater, believe it or not, and ended up with rugby in university. What a transition. <laughs> I, I was always a little bit of a tomboy, so I had uh, I had that like need for those aggressive sports, but figure skating just didn't do that for me. Shocking, I know. <laughs> so I ended up um, going to university for kinesiology and because uh, that's what you do when you're sporty. And you're like, I just, I'll, I'll figure it out when I go to university what I'm going to do with this. Uh, so I took... Um, my uh my kinesiology degree there played rugby and then from there I thought okay I'll do my CSCS uh, so so that I could train athletes ended up in a you know sort of mainstream gym in Toronto moved to the big city and uh it was kind of I got a lot of experience training uh it wasn't quite the experience that I had 
I, I was thinking that I would come and start to work with like the Leafs just because, you know, the, that's the ambition that I had back then because I had a, my CSCS and I'm going to work with athletes, but that's just not how it worked out. <laughs> so I started um, at Extreme Fitness and I worked as a trainer, worked my way up to actually running the gym uh, at the Wellington Club. So I was a director of health center, health and wellness uh, when I was 23, which was really awesome at the time. I had thought I'd made it, uh, but I got away from what I loved, which was coaching. So I, uh, I quit with no backup plan, just you know, cause that's what people do. My mom was terrified. She's like, well, what are you going to do? It's Toronto. Like, how do you afford things there? And I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm not connected with myself. I had some digestive issues and health things that were coming up. I wasn't as active as I used to be. So yeah, I just had gotten away from, from myself. And so I quit, uh, approached, um, Gary Roberts to basically go in and shadow. He was uh, working with a lot of NHL players. It was one of the only high performance centers. And I thought hockey was a good start to, to get my foot in the door with athletes just because it's Canada and made sense. Um, I had to Google Gary Roberts. <laughs> we talk about this all the time. I, actually, on our pod, when he was on our podcast, we're like, we both had to Google you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good thing because uh, it meant I wasn't, you know, there for the wrong reasons. So I've been working with him with his program for the last six years, a strength and conditioning coach. And yeah, I've had a major sort of twist in my my day to day in, in, in the sense that I used to be more strength training. Now I'm a lot more nutrition. So when I started working for Gary, I did my nutrition school and I just totally dove into the recovery piece and I I still love strength and conditioning it's still something that I love and I do every single day and I'm super passionate about uh but yeah my day-to-day looks more coaching with nutrition than anything yeah basically the fitness version of five goes west yeah (laughs) very nice (laughs) very nice yeah it's really funny that you say Gary Roberts was you know you didn't know who Gary Roberts was Funny story about that is, again, I'm from a very, very small town, and my mother was a dental assistant working in the local dental office, and Gary Roberts' family, like one of his cousins or sister or something, worked there as well. So he would be in the office every now and then. That's where he'd go get his teeth done, I think, and I would get his, I got his autograph one day, and it was just really, really funny. That's awesome. I was super young. I don't really remember it, and I was just like, oh, he plays in the NHL. That's pretty sweet. I got an autograph from an NHLer. That's awesome. But so it's kind of like, I love that. yeah, G rubs, G rubs is the man. Like we make a lot of jokes and bug him, but like that guy is an animal. Like he did, we were in the dressing room, like, I don't know, maybe this past summer, like after being on the ice skating. So this is, this is so funny, but I go on the ice and push pucks around at practice. Um, so I do all the jobs, do all the jobs, strength and conditioning, <laughs> hockey coach. No. And, uh, and yeah, so we're in the dressing room and we're changing and he takes his shirt off. I'm like, dude, you are like more shredded than I am. And you're like 54, 53. How old is he? 53. Yeah. 53? It is mind blowing. He is still an animal. So I do. Uh, yeah, it is pretty cool. And they love him. Like when he played in Pittsburgh, it was the craziest stuff. Like, you know, like um, the Chuck Norris jokes, Yeah. like the, like Chuck Norris, like he doesn't wear a watch. He tells us what time it is, like stuff like that. Yeah. There was those on the side of the highway with Gary Roberts name. Don't billboards people put billboards on the side of the highway like he really has had like quite the yeah quite the unique career so it is cool that you got it way back then (laughs) exactly i wasn't even a big hockey fan 
So um, we we like to ask our guests because everyone has formative moments in time, and so we got a little bit about your stories. And if you were to pick a moment in the last, say, five years ish, I mean, you're not fixed to that. It could be five and a half or six, um, <laughs> but ish, not four. But not not four. <laughs> Um, that was a peak moment for you, whether it was a personal peak moment in terms of how you trained yourself or fed yourself or took care of self-care, or whether it was a peak moment in terms of how you better understood your practice with other people. Were there any defining moments? And sometimes it's people that you deal with that are those defining moments. Sometimes it's a book you read that totally changes how you interpret something. So that's what we kind of call peak moment. Yeah, for me, it would have definitely been my back injury. So I had been a strength coach and an athlete. I had relied on my body for everything. Uh, it was my job. It was, you know, how I relieved stress. It was, it was an outlet in so many ways. And uh, I, I had always had like back issues, but I just kind of was like, oh, it's, you know, like everyone has lower back pain when they like deadlift a lot right you know all those like practice what you preach like exactly what I told Jane I was like no that's that's not normal you need to change that yeah and I thought like oh it's just like tightness and that type of thing and and at the time I was again like definitely coaching others to go through this long warm-up not doing it myself all of those classic I don't have time I need to train the other people to do the things that I should be doing uh so I had a major back injury and actually Adrian and I had just started dating at the time and I was literally like bedridden so I had gone from you know like working out, being active. It was in the middle of the summer, so my busiest time with the athletes, and I literally was, like, I couldn't walk. I couldn't go from my room to the bathroom, which was, like, two steps away. Um, and it was, like, the biggest eye-opening experience ever because I had used my body for my job and everything else. So I had to rely on nutrition and lifestyle. So that's when I really dove into the recovery piece and was, like, this is, again, what I can control and this is what I'm going to have to focus on as opposed to the strength part of it, which was so much ingrained in my mind that I could just get through life with, with that part. And then when you don't have that and it's like you're, everything just gets sh- shooken up, it's, it's, yeah, it's very humbling. Uh, so I had to start from scratch. And I would say I'm way stronger today at 33 than I was at 28 when that happened because or even before that when I was actually technically lifting a lot more but it wasn't it wasn't obviously doing my body (laughs) well because I you know ended up crumpling so that was that was my pivotal moment of like you need to take care of your body there's so many other ways to do that other than strength training and so that was huge wake-up call I was so fortunate I had like amazing resources in terms of like chiropractors and acupuncturists and I learned to breathe again like I wasn't you know even focusing on those things properly taking the courses doing all the things for others not focusing on myself though so that was definitely mine oh man mine yeah I would say the you can you can choose to if you need to it's okay. Uh, okay, so I would say the the most formative one in the last five years was probably like nine months ago. So I had been out, like I I had lost, then I had gotten sick or whatever whatever we're calling it, and then uh, and then I had been out like not fighting on the shelf for uh, twenty three months or something like that. 
So almost two years, just under two years. That's math, folks. There's 12 months in a year. Yeah, just under two years. And so I got back into the cage and I was fighting like back at home in Sault Ste. Marie and there's like 2,000 people there or something like that. Like, uh, And feeling great, go out the very first round, uh, dominating the round. And I don't know like how much you guys watch fighting, but so my opponent is on their back is on his back and his feet are on my hips. And so I push his like feet to the side and then I throw a punch and I can feel my hand break as I throw the punch. And so my entire left hand is now useless. And this is, so I haven't fought in, in all this time. I've been off. I do all these things. And then the first, like within two and a half minutes, I break my hand and, uh, I like, go to use it and I try and grab his arm and it just like slides off like a limp fish, like just kind of drops off. And so I can't close my fist and make punch, but I also can't really open it all the way. And so when you look like I don't, I don't have a knuckle anymore on this side. So it like compacted in and, uh, and yeah, so anyway, I got this like creepy old man finger now. And so that happens. So I go back to my corner in between the first and second round and they're like, Hey, that looked really good. How do you feel? I'm like, well, I broke my hand. And they're like, okay, well, do you want to stop? I'm like, no, we're already here. Like, we just did all this stuff. Let's go figure it out. Um, so, yeah, so, like, the, the next round started. I threw two, like, silly things because I was so focused on this. And I was like, yeah, you know what? This would be a better idea if we just choke the guy out. So we managed, like, we got the win and everything. And so that was the best part. It was like, I'm sitting on the stool in between rounds. My coaches come over and they're like, you just broke your hand. Like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, oh, we're, like, we're already here, so we might as well figure this out. And so I would say that was... That was validating. And so that's been the most influential. So uh, your advice there is either you're saying when you're in it, even if you're super hurt, keep going so you can get the win. (laughs) Or are you saying you can numb it out when you're trying to achieve a high thing and then take care of it after? I would say that, uh, that you can only control three things effort, attitude, and focus. And so when you're in it, in that instance, I'm like, okay, what's my attitude towards this? This happened. It sucks, but I'm not like, it's not life threatening. It's, it's a hand. We can deal with it after. And then focus is what am I going to focus on? Is it my hand or is it whatever outcome I need to create? And then, and then effort is like, well, how hard am I going to push? And like, what are we going to do to make this happen? So that would be, that would be the lesson out of it is it was like validation for all the shit I had been saying for the last 12 months. I swear a lot. Sorry. Um, for the last 12 months, like I have, I, we have a, a, well, I do, I suppose like on Monday, we have a mindset Monday. So every Monday a video comes out and I talk about something that I've been thinking about for that week. And so I'm like writing articles and talking about all these things about how you can come back. And now I have an opportunity to validate everything I said. So either like I go and do this and, uh, and I prove that stuff or I don't and I'm a fraud and then you shouldn't listen to me basically is what like is going through my head at the time, right? Like if you were going to be a strongman coach, it's valuable that you have done strongman things, Correct. right? Like it's the same with endurance, yeah, right? Like we see say. people Ex- push yeah. through those sorts of things all the time. And I would always argue like it, what it sounds like you did is you just refocus on what we were talking about last time. Where's your glute bridge? Like what can you do? And you still had other limbs. And I think that the yeah. key point that you hammered or that you noted was that it wasn't life threatening <laughs> because like that's the, that's the fine line between like intelligence and, you know, just being you know, throwing literally your life on the line. You didn't throw your entire health on the line in the process, what you're saying, which is... No, but also I might have been willing to at the time. And so as bad as that sounds to say, and like athletics are not designed for long-term health. Like we can no. agree on that. Professional athletics or athletics of any kind are not designed for long-term health. So there's a guy named Ensign Inouye. He's uh, 
um, he fought in Japan for a really long time and he has a famous quote that says just one time in your life train like you're willing to die and so I don't mean that literally but at the same time I think there's something valuable about being will like be willing to go that far just so you know how far that far is and then you can step back yeah and I think that's a really good point is that people think that elite elite athletes are super healthy and that that's the epitome of health. Like anybody that has like a six pack must be super healthy and it's just such a farce. I mean, elite athletics there, I mean, you're pushing yourself to all these limits that are just, I mean, health is important to get to the level, but then you have to sacrifice the health sometimes to keep pushing that further. So it's understanding like the difference between that. And I mean, I take strongman for example, like I had to back away for a year because I blew my knee out, you know, and that was the thing where I could have kept going on that knee knowing there was a hole in my patella tendon <laughs> or I could have stepped back and gotten it fixed and I stepped back, got it fixed and then went on to win, you know, two Canadian championships and, you know, achieve my best standing at Worlds. So the, there's time and place for everything, but people need to understand that like health is super important to achieve good performance. But elite, elite performance, you're pushing your, your body past so many limits that are beyond health in the moment I'm talking, right? Like in the moment of events, like Freya was running the Vancouver Marathon, broke her toe, just going to keep running through it because I'm here. I'm not going to stop now, you know? So did she pay for it after that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, like these things happen when you are an athlete, you need to understand that you're doing things for your athletic career that might not be the best choices for, you know, being back home and feeling super duper. <laughs> and, and it's for a select period of time, right? Like it's an Olympic event or it's a, it's a season. It's a Stanley Cup final, right? Like so they, it's, it's for a set period of time. It's not like you can't do it forever. Like you can't redline the car forever. But, you know, if you play football, you can play, you can play 16 weeks and then maybe a couple weeks in playoffs. And then you can take the entire year off to play 16 weeks again. And you only do it for eight or 10 years. That's the difference. So that's something that's interesting um, because we talk to our clients all the time about that. And I get the sense that you guys do, especially when you're working with athletes, is we talk about how they need to focus on recovery because they can only train as hard as they can recover. And we touched on this briefly with Alex Butt the other week about how like maybe 10% of your training is at that threshold of like, am I going to pass out from this? Um, but the filter that I find a lot of clients that aren't in athletics come in with that are really hard driven and they really want to achieve certain things. But the filter they apply is sometimes one of like, you need to push all the time to the nth degree. So what are some of the key things that you guys find are always up there with, with your clients, whether they're athletes or not in terms of the recovery piece, like recovering hard is what we call it. Yeah, I love that. Actually, one of my sayings is like train hard, recover harder. And I like love yeah. that because it's it's so specific to athletes too. Like a lot of the time you don't see behind the scenes. Like some of them, I think something came out. Who was it that sleeps 12 hours a day? Um, the football player. Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis sleeps 12 hours a day. And a lot of people think like, whoa, that's like a lot of sleep. But that's what his body needs to recover, right? And so a lot of the athletes that we work with do have you know the the luxury in their schedule to maybe nap in the afternoon and recover so sleep is one of the, the most important things that we we talk about um also you know obviously the nutrition piece so what they're you know eating and 
and in between their workouts. Um, so a lot of people think that post-workout meal is like the only meal that you need to focus on and recovery is all the time. And so, you know, focusing on getting them in that mindset that athletes are recovering all the time, whenever they're not training, whenever they're not in practice, whenever they're not in games, they're recovering. So their focus is on recovery and all like, whether you're, you know, an executive, you have full-time job, you can still be focusing on recovery practices all the time, right? It's just in a different ebb and flow than, than say a professional athlete where that's his job is to be active and to push his, his body to those limits. So yes, that's part of it. But a lot of the time it comes down to like a risk and reward thing. Like, you know, do our athletes need to deadlift 500 pounds in order to be good hockey players? A lot of the time, no. So it's, it's just like looking at what's important in the situation and, and feeling strong is awesome and part of it. Um, but what they do in between like the sleep, the, you know, focusing on recovery practices, whatever that, that is that works for them, whether it's cold baths or, you know, hot, cold therapy or, um, Nortec or whatever it is, whatever it is that works for them and they, they'll commit to doing it. Um, and we focus on, so bringing out those aspects of athletes into everyday life with all of our other clients is important and understanding that like, yes, athletes push it hard, but they also really focus on chilling out, (laughs) which yeah, is where the magic happens, which we know. Adrian's like, nope, nope, you covered it all. That's a good partnership, which brings us actually to our next question. Uh, Yeah, so we've we've been asked this quite a bit. (laughs) Um, Do you guys ever have any issues, the fact that you are both business partners and life partners? Do you want to answer first? You go ahead. Are you sure so you don't want to go first? I would say I would say yes, but not in like the typical the typical way or the way people would think, I guess. So we've always been uh, we've always worked together. We've still actually interviewed me, uh, for the first job. Uh, so we've, yeah, it's funny. eh? You are hired in more ways than one. Yeah. And uh, so I need, to, I'm going to need to see you with your shirt off. <laughs> Basically. Yes. No, you, um, still hired me. And then we started dating like after that, obviously. And so we've always worked together. That wasn't like, that was, a standard thing so it was just integrating i think the biggest issue is like knowing like when to when to shut down and like when to spend personal time and the problem is it'll be like one of us will want to and the other one won't because one will be thinking about something and the other person won't and so that even if we're at home working like together during the day and so you you sit at the whatever the island let's call it you sit at the island always and i never sit at the island like i don't want to sit there because then like still have a question for me and she'll ask it and I'll be doing something. And then I'll be like, frick. And then I'll do the same thing. <laughs> Gosh, darn. Gosh, darn. I'll do the, uh, I'll do the same thing. I'll, I'll be, I'll be like thinking about something and I'll look up and I'll ask her a question and she's obviously working on something, but I don't care because I want my question answered now, or it'll be like 10 o'clock at night and one of us is trying to sleep and the other one wants to talk about something. So that is the struggle. The struggle is like putting it aside and at the same time, it's a good thing because, you know, if it's 10 o'clock at night and neither of you can sleep and you have some ideas you want to bounce off of each other, but maybe we should go with the setup you guys have, like with like, you guys have like, you know, separate areas of the house. Multiple rooms. Yeah. Helps. Multiple Actually, bedrooms. That, that was part of why we got the place we got is because I was like, I need full separation from like, this is brain space and this is chill space. And we both know when we're like, no, I'm going in into the zone and we are not talking. And we know that, Mm -hmm. but we've had the same issue in terms of like, well, if he decides he's really inspired and on the weekend he starts working and I'm like, 
I'm trying really hard to stop myself from working today, but I see you working and now I want to work. And it, but I see that as coming from a shared passion as a good thing. It's just, yeah, you want to set some parameters so that you're also not burning out on it, but it is nice to have someone who shares that level of passion. So as you said, there are like good and bad. Are there like hard stop times for you guys? Do you have like, is there like a, a timer? So to speak, like, I just mean, is it like after seven o'clock we're done or? Well, see, I kind of tap out. I'm like a pumpkin at night. So it's like the good thing for Dane is that if he wants to get writing done, he just has to wait till 8 p.m. And he knows that I'm basically comatose and he can do whatever the hell he wants and I won't notice. <laughs> yeah, that that's kind of like my trick too. If I'm, if I'm, you know, overwhelmed with work, if I have a really busy week, it's I will break my own rules because generally I like to shut down. I don't want to have a screen in my face after 8 p.m. That's a rule I try and abide by, but if stuff just has to get done, if I have programming has to get done or writing or anything like that, projects on the go, then I'll use that chunk of time once Freya's, you know, in bed between like eight and 10 to just kind of go at it and get a bunch of stuff off. So we don't have necessarily hard and fast rules, but we do have structure in place, so to speak. And we're, we work on, like, we're really good at calling each other because we're like you guys, we've worked together before we dated. Mm -hmm. And so we call each other on our part of my language with crap so if i yeah after I this guy dropped said, an f-bomb yeah. <laughs> yeah. i was like <laughs> there my language <laughs> but um we call each other on that kind of thing in the sense that like i you know i know i burn out pretty quick but i also know that like i try to i drive past that point without noticing dane will point it out and vice versa and so more than anything instead of making hard and fast rules because we don't want to shut down inspiration we do make points to like we're going to go out and walk together we're going to go for our swim dates together twice a week we go and like make sure that one day is fully like work free kind of thing so we do things like that instead that feel more positive than like you must not pass this hour (laughs) yeah yeah how about you Sylvie yeah ours is similar I think like we really make an effort and when we first started working on the podcast together uh one big thing that we we noticed is we just like kind of didn't have that line of like when our personal and like our actual like being in a relationship time was versus when it's work time because the conversation can always go there when you're inspired and you're doing the same thing so we've uh, we've done a good job at I think now like you know scheduling date nights and like yeah being in an actual relationship rather than just a business <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but I think it's like yeah you you constantly have to be checking in with that because like you guys said, it, it like it can go rampant if you if you don't focus on it. And there are phases, no doubt, where there's like a bit of a swing phase, right? Like if you guys are setting up your podcast, you're first ramping that up. That's gonna be a swing phase towards biasing the business side. And yeah. then in planning your like upcoming nuptial stuff, it's gonna be a swing phase the other way. I would hope. <laughs> <laughs> what a word, nuptials. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, and I think sometimes it's hard too, especially like you're morning is definitely good for you like that's when you're way better and not and and I would say that I'm probably better in the morning too but I also like to work at night like later in the day and so sometimes I'll go to work want to work at night and you'll be on the couch like relaxing or like reading a book or something and I'll feel guilty about it and I don't want to do it because I feel guilty like I'm like I'm one-upping you in the house and vice versa sometimes in the morning I just want to sit there and then I see you doing stuff and then I'm like oh well you know it is business hours I suppose so (laughs) yeah I I find that that's one of the things that happens especially if I have a a really hard training session in the middle of the day then I come home and I have to eat 
and then I'm I just want to kind of hang out and relax for 30 minutes or an hour. I don't really want to have to like dive in hardcore to some other stuff. And then I know I can just get that done later. And then we get to after dinner and then it's like cuddle time. It's like, oh, we're going to just, we're just going to sit here and uh, we're going to watch this now. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Guess I should have thought about this because this is what we normally do. Okay, okay. So now I'm going to do that after you go to bed. Awesome, awesome. Conversations Dane has in his head with himself. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, but it is, it is interesting the uh the work business relationship (laughs) i mean and i think it's just like any other relationship in that there's there's going to be unique parts to any relationship whether you're working with that person or not there's always you know there's always circumstances that you know you can call them challenges you can call them opportunities whatever you want but to make a relationship work there's always going to be certain structure and systems that you have to put in place to make sure both parties are happy so the business aspect, you know, you can view it as a challenge or ultimately you can view it as something that puts a nice structure in place. Just say, hey, this is when we do this. This is when we do this. We know we have to kind of park this day as a day off for ourselves. So it actually, because of the business, makes you structure your relationship better in my in my eyes anyway. Well, I think just as many people bring their work home with them anyway. So and it doesn't really matter. Like they have a they have a job that has set hours, but it still comes home with them and they're still distracted. So I don't think it's any different necessarily, especially if you're excited about what you do. Absolutely. And that's, that's where the nice thing is when you are in the same industry, like the other one can kind of understand where you're coming from with certain stressors or anything like that. And with ideas can help you flush out a slightly different perspective that might like when you had the idea of the podcast, but then Sylvie's like, okay, this is how we're actually going to make this happen. Right? Like that's a great compliment to have. Um, you guys have both been in the industry a lot or sorry, a long time. You've seen many different aspects of it. With that in mind and based on where you guys are at now, what do you see as being like the biggest opportunity? Like if you could pick one thing that's the biggest opportunity that you wish other professionals in the industry could gear towards as a community or whatever else, what would be the one thing that you think our industry needs? Uh, The big thing I would say is collaboration. Like I think that's... um, we're seeing more and more of it with events and even, you know, social media, say what you want about it. It it can connect a lot of people online that wouldn't, you know, know about each other otherwise. So I think collaboration is, is so important. I, I, I have really been trying to reach out because I've been in this little athletic bubble, um, where I've worked with a lot of athletes, which is amazing, but there was this like whole other industry and even being in the East end, it's like, you know, getting to know that there's so many amazing people doing, you know, even what you guys are doing in terms of, like you said, connecting your networks and creating this, this like online platform. And I think, I think that that would be the, the biggest missing piece is, is collaboration. And I think it, we're going towards that, but, um, I definitely want to see more of that because as you guys mentioned on our podcast, it's just so much better together when, when, you know, we have all of these minds doing amazing things to, to help people be healthy. It's awesome. Absolutely. I don't know if it's like a, if it's a, f- thing that everyone should add but it would be really nice if there was a so I, this is terrible but I thought it would be great to have a BS segment like on Sundays where you just swipe through accounts and just just call them out and just be like this is garbage this everyone is garbage and so that's not everyone's personality and not everyone likes likes conflict and so there was an account and I forget the account or I would greatly call it out but there is an account from New York and there was a gentleman who was doing a was doing a, a BOSU ball snatch. And then he was having, I wish I could remember the account. He was having his friends that were there, one of them punch him, and then the other one throw a spinning oh no. back kick and kick him in the, in the, in the abs. Oh, 
well on a half a BOSU ball with a weight overhead. And I would crowdfund $10,000 for that man to let me come kick him <laughs> on top of a BOSU ball with 125 pounds over his head. So I wish, I wish there was just a little bit more of that. Just a little more, uh, I don't know, quality management, let's call it. Oh, man, after my own heart. <laughs> this, is, this is me every time I see like something on Instagram, just like, I hate everything about this industry. And this is, and this is not actually how I feel. But the best part of this in the show notes, we're going to have Sylvie talks about collaboration. Adrian says everyone's awful. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so that's where we're, it's, I'm just dying laughing over here because I'm like, yes, community. Like, we need to build community. Everybody needs to talk and realize we're not against each other. We're trying to help. And then Dane's like, we need to create an Instagram account that calls out all the BS out there. I was like, maybe that's not our focus right now. We'll just, yeah, we'll just go on Skype and we'll record the call on Skype and just, just pull up accounts. We'll have three screens. This. <laughs> I'm sure, maybe four. I'm sure Aldo would love to get in on it too. Oh, big time. So just like how to filter your fitness professionals. Yeah, exactly. We need like a like a bumble. Like right now, it's like Tinder, and everyone's involved. Like we need a bumble for fitness. We need to have a little more control on the people that know. Okay, that's what I think. We need a fitness bumble. That's an idea. That's what we need. We need more tech entrepreneurs. I like everything about where this is going, but, but seriously, that is, that is, you hit the nail on the head in both regards. It's just that there are so many good practitioners out there and there are also so many people out there now within the social media world who really aren't good at what they do and they're spreading a lot of misinformation and ultimately people are going to get hurt. And that's one of our big passions. That's really why we started doing what we're doing is that we just want to put as much good information out there. And I know you know, a lot of people would look and be like, oh, you guys are a couple and you're a oh, nutritionist and strength coach and you guys work together and you're nutrition coach. You guys should be enemies. You guys should be like fighting each other. It's like, it's such a crazy idea, right? Like we're sitting here in this room, like we have so many things in common. We share a similar message. And this is the kind of stuff that people need to see out there is, you know, we want to build a community of like-minded professionals who can ultimately help the most people. And the more we put good stuff out there, I honestly believe that that's going to take over and you know the other stuff people are going to know it's like uh you know that's you know it's just for the flash well there's good and bad people in every industry so let's say you hire like a bad architect and then you get your house built and you're like this does not look like i wanted it to and this sucks and it costs you money and it costs you stress and and your house doesn't look the way you wanted but it didn't cost you your shoulder or your neck or your back or your hip right so that's where it's that's where it's almost trickier because you, your body is, is not really a renewable resource in the same way that you, and even like it, it could be a crushing uh, financial uh, uh, situation, but you have the ability to make more money back. Like it's pretty hard to get your hip replaced. And then when it happens, it's not the same. And then you have to get it done again. And so that's, I think that's the, the issue or the, the I think problem. that's where it hits our hearts too when we see that that sort of thing where we're just like man I hope they have a really good reason for why they're saying those things because I can only think of maybe 0.5% of the population that's going to reap benefit from that and I can think of a hell of a lot of people that might get hurt um, so yeah we, we come at it from that standpoint and we also operate on the notion that you know even when we see some things that could harm they're not necessarily doing it with ill intent it's just it's just one of those things that is tricky because social media can make a pseudo professional out of a lot of people, but then it can also, like we said, we're trying to create community. We know some wicked people. You guys do too. You've had some, I mean, you've had 85, 86 podcast episodes now, all with wonderful professionals. And we just hope more and more people 
find those. Um, we always ask a couple questions, wrap up. And uh, the first one is what is, we've noticed you guys read a lot, just as we do, always have new books arriving at the door. What is one of the most impact, impactful books you've read in the last like six or so months? Um, one of my favorites, uh, I probably read it about a year ago, but it's really, oh, no. I know, oh my God. Next. Uh-oh. I've read a lot of books, but, um, and a lot of nutrition one, but this one, uh, was really impactful on the way that I coach, but also, yeah, on my own life. Um, it's called The Power of Full Engagement. And so it's about managing energy as opposed to time. And so that one was, I, I love it. I use it all the time as a reference. Um, yeah, I think that would be the biggest one that has stuck out for me. In the last six months? I I don't even know. I don't know how many books I've read in the last six months. No, probably the opposite, actually. I feel I feel as if it goes in waves. Like in a six-month period, I might read 30 books. And then for six months, I might read two. And You're so, assimilating information. Yeah. And so I would say in the last six months, I don't think I've read too many books. She went um, outside the six-month bubble, too. Yeah. So feel free, man. <laughs> no, no. I'm going to try and keep it. I'm going to try and keep it. Under the, under the guidelines still. It's the BS meter, okay? This is the question. Um, I just actually f- finished reading the book that we talked about upstairs, uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving uh, by Mark Manson. I thought that was interesting. It was entertaining. I wouldn't say it's the most influential book I've read, but I just think it's a unique way of presenting information because there's a lot of things in there that are really hard to distill down. Like making mindfulness cool is a tough one. And so I think he does a pretty good job of, of doing that. Like it's, uh, it's almost a book for jocks for yeah, lack of a better term. I, it's funny because I'm in the midst of reading that one as well. My mom got that for me a few months ago, so I just kind of peeled it off the shelf, and I was like, in between books, I'm like, all right, I'm going to give this one a dive now. And it's, it's yeah, I mean, he's he's appealing to a different crowd. That's just it. It's like a health book for people who are not healthy. And so I understand why people gravitate to that, and I do think it's going to help quite a few people just to reframe some concepts. Like, they're not earth-shattering for you or I. For a lot of people out there, they're really going to be like, Yes, like I should be doing that more often and doing this less often. But I think because we're in the industry, we get we get tied up in this bubble and we think everyone knows the information that we know, right? And so Seth Godin put it really well. He was talking about Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss is undoubtedly madly successful. Everyone in this industry knows who Tim Ferriss is or like in the whatever, let's call it like health tech world. 99% of the world doesn't know who Tim Ferriss is. And it's the same thing with a lot of that information. Like we assume that everyone knows it because all the people in our social circle know it, but 99% of the people still don't know it. So it deserves a retelling, I guess, is what I'm getting at. I'm not going to lie though. When he produced the four hour body, the number of clients on a bloody legume diet coming in saying that they could do 10 kettlebell swings a day and achieve eight pack abs was astronomical. But again, that's from a specific population looking for a relative fast track. So yeah, I definitely agree. Correct. So <laughs> I love it. People are like, that was a touchy topic. Eh? <laughs> it's like Tim Ferriss Tim. is a health genius. I'm like, Tim Ferriss knows how to assimilate data. He's that is what he is good at. And that is a great skill that's made him a good deal of money, but I would not go forward and calling him a health expert. Like, that's kind of crazy. Um, but anyway, so the next quick little question we have is, so again, we've talked a lot about, you know, peak moments and you know, where you guys come from. So if you had five minutes with somebody, what one thing could you impart on them to help their well-being? If you give them one piece of information oh, are you, are you, and Sylvie's passing off the wow. mic, so, that was like a hot potato. 
Let me think about it. Uh, only one thing to impart on them. General person walks up, isn't doing too good. What you do doesn't matter that much. Doing it matters. So whatever you decide to do to improve your, your standing, so whatever that is, whether it's some, I don't know, some form of yoga, whether that's, it, it really doesn't matter what it is. What you do does not matter as much as the fact that you start doing something. So having, having faith in a system is more valuable than anything else. You could have a terrible system and I'll talk about it from like a martial arts perspective. Like you could be, you could be at a gym that has a terrible system that has a coach that doesn't know uh, really what he's talking about, but just having faith in that system will get you so much further than being in a place with great stuff and not believing in it. So that would be my, that would be my five minute message. What it is matters less than believing in what it is. Yeah, no, that's actually really important. I tell people that all the time. It's like, if you fully believe in what you're doing and you act and you actually do it, I mean, the brain is a powerful, powerful tool. If you're just doing it, you're going to get some results from it. Yeah, I think mine would be similar, but one of the biggest things that I focus on is is joy, like enjoying what you do. And so, you know, I talk about the fact that like maybe eating a salad is really sad for you. So maybe you shouldn't be eating a salad. There's other great options in terms of a healthy diet that you can be eating, whereas salads can be sad for people, right? So if they're not enjoying it, there's so many other ways. And that's with exercise, that's with, you know, mindset, all of that when it comes to our health is you have to enjoy the way that you're doing it. So being on this crazy crash diet or doing this crazy, you know, fitness regime that you heard is great. If you don't enjoy it, then it's just not worth it. So bringing joy and enjoyment to whatever it is that you do, I think is the most important thing when it comes like to... Yeah, like sweet so much joy. <laughs> you calling me out, bro? <laughs> no, but that I think that's another really key message. Just in general, is and especially when it comes to food, is for the most part avoiding the extremes. If you're constantly shooting for some food you love, you have to eat stuff you love all the time. You're probably not going to lose weight, you know. And if you're eating stuff that you hate all the time, you're probably gonna be miserable, and you probably won't lose weight. Totally. But it's it's finding that middle ground where you're eating things you enjoy. You know, they they work for you. They don't take a long time to prep. Like you just you know for the most part get through with stuff you just generally you know enjoy doing. You can have the big indulgences every now and then, but don't live in a world of sad salads. Exactly. Sad salads suck. And, I, and and the funny thing about that is that like when you're stressed, as you know, yeah, sad salads, we're going to start something with this. Um, well, as you know, when you're, when you're stressed about the way that you're eating, like it affects your digestion and you're not actually getting the full benefits of that. So mm -hmm. it's like, it's not actually a good thing when you're really upset about the way that you're eating. Right. So it doesn't have to be all indulgences, like you said, but there definitely has to be some enjoyment of healthy food, uh, in, in the process of that. Absolutely. Cause otherwise you're always looking for like an end point, right? I will do this until, and then until doesn't happen cause you're miserable in the process of that. Exactly. So on that note, one last thing, what are the top things that you guys do for self care? And like it can be individual or it can be together. What's like your top thing you always go to for self, uh, excuse me, self care as I choke on my tongue or words. Uh, as an introvert, I feel like I'm a self-care junkie. I could do all of the things. Um, but if we were to put, um, or just narrow it down to one, I would say just like full on spending time with myself and journaling has been really 
beneficial for me. I, um, I can get really overwhelmed in a lot of social situations, especially if it's like a string of social events. I'm like, I need to regen, regenerate my time here or my energy and, and, um, be able to show up fully for those other, you know, clients or social situations, Adrian, my friends, my family. Um, I, I really have to recharge. So it's just like spending time alone, reading books, being with myself. So I would say that's the biggest self-care thing that I do and, and understanding when I need to do that. I used to push it so much because I'm supposed to be an extrovert in this industry because that's how you're successful. Right. And then I was like, that's just not me. I'm an introvert. I like to recharge by myself. (laughs) I'm just going to interject before we let you answer. Have you heard of Jomo? No. It's the joy of missing out. Oh, the counter to that is FOMO. I like that. And I partake in JOMO for the same reasons that you listed all of them. I can love all the social things, but I need to just like go recalibrate and stare at a wall for a while. And so that's JOMO. So there's official term for the joy of missing out now. I love that. That's, that's definitely a new hashtag. I would say being outside is a new one for me, probably in the last maybe nine months or so, I'll try to be outside a lot more. And that has been really, really helpful, I would say. So for a while, I mean, obviously not now because it's kind of cold, but for a while, if I had free time, like any day, I would drive down to the beaches and just like sit on the beach and just hang out for like 30, 40 minutes and then go back. So that's definitely been the one for me. Even now, like when it's cold, I've taken way more walks and walking, I thought, was just something that my parents did after dinner with a tea. But now I think that they might actually be onto something. <laughs> yeah, just being outside and reconnecting with nature, even if it's cold and snowy outside. I mean, humans have a connection with nature. If your energy feels off, if something feels wrong, get outside. Change your environment. Go reconnect with nature. If you can, get your feet in the ground. Like, just go outside and be in nature. So that is a huge, huge self-care tip for a lot of people. So from there, um, guys, Lifestyle Championship, where can we find you? <laughs> we are all over social. No, we're mostly on Instagram, truthfully. Um, and too. Facebook. And Facebook, yeah. As, as per everyone else, we have, a, we have a Twitter, but no one goes on there. So Twitter's like champ underscore lifestyle. And not that no one goes on there, but I do honestly feel like if you're in pop culture or news or sports, you're on Twitter all the time. But if you don't fit one of those three categories, and then I guess it's a demo thing too, right? Like Twitter appeals to like an older demographic than the other platforms. Not that our demographic isn't, but I, I think most of them know how to navigate the Instagram. Um, so yeah, you can go to the website, championshiplifestyle.com, Twitter's champ underscore lifestyle, Facebook's championship, championship lifestyle. So yeah. And then you can just email us at any time info at, let us know what you want to hear. If you guys have a topic that you want broken down on Fridays, let us know. We do a bio still breakdown every Friday and we're always in need of topics. <laughs> fantastic that's uh that's some good stuff guys give these uh give the championship lifestyle a uh, follow thank you sylvie thank you very much adrian for coming out today we uh genuinely appreciate you popping into the uh living room slash studio (laughs) yeah thank you guys so much for making the time we appreciate we were on yours last week and now we got to like continue the chat with you this week and look forward to more yeah thank you guys for having us it's so awesome to be on a podcast (laughs) as a pair exactly first time it's so awesome yeah i think this will not be the last yeah exactly so again thanks everyone for tuning in today and to uh tie things up and just quote a great man you don't win friends with salad you don't win friends with salad (laughs) (laughs) take care guys we hope you enjoyed our conversation 
To hear more, head on over to Stitcher or iTunes and subscribe to the Move Daily Health Podcast. And don't hesitate to leave us a review. Thanks for listening.